0: You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for joining us back here at NapaBroadcasting.com as we continue with our stories from the 2017 fire. Over the past few weeks, we've talked to many of the leaders who, when the community or their families were on the line, stepped up and gave more than a full measure of their devotion to save lives, property, and even people's spirits. As is natural in such situations, it became clear who the leaders were. And while thousands of books have been written about what leadership is about, sometimes it can't always be defined. We just know it when we see it. We know this because all of us saw it during the fires in the person of Napa County Fire Chief Barry Beerman. When he talked, everyone listened. We're lucky to have him here with us today on Napa Broadcasting, and it is my pleasure to welcome Chief Barry Beerman here to the program. Chief, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. Uh, I'm sure you've uh, thought about these stories, talked about them a lot. You mentioned to me before we went on the air about uh, many community meetings you're doing and and talking about all of this and and what people need to do now and in the future. But I want to go back to that Sunday night when all this began and talk a little bit about what the first word you got about what was going on up on Atlas Peak and a little bit about how those first couple of hours evolved. Well,
1: um, you know, we were under a red flag warning conditions for uh, for low humidities and high winds um, during that period. Uh, I was actually the duty chief uh, for the Sonoma Lake Napa unit of CAL FIRE, kind of overseeing the... Um, the operations um, of, of our six counties that we oversee. I live in Chico. I've worked here in Napa now for uh, 22 years. And uh, so that night um, with the wind prediction and stuff, uh, I came in early, came into town that night. And we actually had a fire going on uh, that afternoon, that Sunday afternoon out uh, on the edge of American Canyon uh, in, in Napa County. It was a auto salvage yard that, that had caught fire. We had several hundred cars that were burning out there. So I came into town, and uh, I was actually just arriving on scene of that at about quarter to ten or so uh, to talk to the incident commander out there um, to see what was um, what was going on with that fire. And just as I got there, we started to break fires uh, in in Napa County, and uh, I believe the first fire that that went out was a fire on Wall Road off of Dry Creek Road. And then shortly after that, um, there was a fire report on Atlas Peak, and so. We only had one battalion chief uh, that was doing the coverage, and so he started off to Wall Road. And since I was in town, I thought, well, then I better start going to Atlas Peak Road since we didn't have any other chief officers responding up there. So uh, I immediately left that incident from American Canyon County um, and headed up towards Atlas Peak.
0: How unusual is it for multiple, even within a red flag warning, for multiple fires to break out the way these did? You know, that's... um,
1: not very common in the North State. Uh, we have had incidents of, of of some fires breaking out during red flag conditions. Um, you know, it, it was more typical of your Southern California Santa Ana event where we have multiple right. fires starting to break out in different parts of a region. And... Um, mm-hmm. You know, we had the Valley Fire a couple years ago that burned up into Lake County, started in Lake County um, and with some extreme conditions. And uh, this, this was f- similar to that, but we had multiple fires now breaking. Um, and so uh, the wind was howling. I mean, the wind was eerie that night, something that I have not seen um, here in the Valley um, before, especially in the middle of the night during fire season. It was, it was that strong. And I knew that if we had a fire, we would have our hands full.
0: And when these smaller fires started to break out, talk a little bit about how you begin to think about dealing with them. How What are, what are the first steps that, that you plan?
1: Well, as um, any chief officer responding to an incident, you're always thinking about, um, you know, what do you have? What are your conditions presenting? And so all of us that would respond to any incidents would be thinking in our mind that, you know, the fires have potential for serious growth due to low humidities and strong winds. Um Responding to the Atlas Peak fire, um, as I was uh, making my way up Atlas Peak, it was obvious we had a very large fire burning in the hills. Um, And, in fact, uh, a CHP helicopter was overhead. I believe they reported it to be one to 200 acres already. And uh, I was the first... Uh, chief officer to ride that scene. I think there was one engine ahead of me trying to make our way up Atlas Peak Road. So I was trying to get up there to see where the fire was and establish an incident command post um, to run and manage the incident. And I got up to about the 27, 2800 block of Atlas Peak Road and I was cut off by fire. Fire had come across the road up top already. And I would made a phone call to uh, my unit chief, Chief Jones, who oversees the Sonoma Lake Napa unit, and I let her know we have a serious problem up here. This is going to be a significant fire. And uh, at that point in time early on, I believed uh, quickly that it was going to probably even be a team activation, which is when we have our CAL FIRE incident management teams come in to oversee very large incidents. And so uh, I confirmed on the radio as I got cut off to turn around that, uh that, um, There was no other chief officers arriving, so I established command of that incident, and I immediately placed a large resource order, which included uh, 50 fire engines, um, bulldozers, hand crews, um, to get that order placed. And I heard other fires starting to break in our unit. So I turned around and started heading back down the hill. And... um, When I got down to probably about the 2200 block of Atlas Peak Road, I was cut off by fire below me. And so I actually had to, and I knew I couldn't get stuck there. Um, I can't manage an incident when I'm trapped in the fire. So, um, you know, there had been some great work done up there. Tom Vreeland, who is our president of Napa Firewise, mm-hmm, lives up right. there. Um, I know he'd done some amazing work on, on, on the Atlas Peak uh, Fire Safe Council, and that road had done some good um, clearing. So while I ended up having to drive through fire to get out, um, you know, it wasn't I knew I wasn't going to get to a spot where I'd be trapped with brush against the road and burning from all that work. So that really gave me some reassurance that I could make it down safely through the fire front.
0: When you say drive <clears> through <throat> it, explain that a little bit. I well, mean-
1: I was in my, my, my fire vehicle, which is a Tahoe, and um, I was cut off by fire. I had fire on both sides of the road, stuff blowing across the roadway. And so I had to make a decision to enter into that fire to make it to the bottom to get out to manage that incident. Um, but I felt I could do it safe enough. And, uh, anyway, so I drove, drove through the fire down Atlas peak road to try to make it to the bottom. And, uh, there was a lot more fire than I thought fire continued for probably, I don't know, I would say a third of a mile. I was in fire the whole time uh, blowing across my vehicle, had a hard time trying to see where to stay on the road. Um, and eventually I made it out the bottom, but the fire was moving very rapidly and I just remember how quiet it was. Um, and when I came down the hill, I was actually on my PA um, telling everyone to wake up, evacuate immediately. There's a fire. Um, and I kept repeating that. Um, I can't remember if I turned my siren on or not, but I was trying to get the word out because I knew people were sleeping. It's 10 o'clock at night. Right. And, um, and so uh, I made it out to the bottom. And uh, as I was going, I remember seeing houses were already starting to burn. Um, and it happened that fast. I mean, we're talking very quickly. So I uh, made it down to the clubhouse at 1600 Atlas Peak Road. And that's where I established the incident command post. And I immediately pay- placed another large resource order to include another 50 fire engines for a total of 100. Um, more bulldozers, more hand crews, um, some overhead, which were uh, some um, division group supervisors to start managing sections of the fire. And that's how fast this fire was, was, uh, was growing. And I would imagine if it was 100 to 200 acres when I was trying to get up to the top, it was every bit of 500 acres or more by the time I made it out the bottom. So we established the incident command post there at 1600 Atlas Peak. And I immediately asked for evacuations and road closures of the Atlas Peak area and um, Napa County sheriffs office, which uh, we work very closely with. Myself right. and Sheriff Robertson have an outstanding relationship. We've done this drill before um, and worked through some of the, the fires that we've had the last couple of years that have actually come from Lake County into Napa County. So his his uh, deputies and, and commanders within the sheriff's office were quick to respond. And immediately we got together to start working on the plan of getting people out of harm's way with this rapidly moving
0: fire. There were two things happening simultaneously, obviously. One was figuring out a plan to get people out of harm's way. Talk a little bit about the plan to begin to fight the fire. At this point, you've you've ordered all of these resources, and the fire is continuing to spread. Talk a little bit about how you begin to plan for where you're going to set up the appropriate lines and and what's next.
1: I can tell you that that night I gave the order that we were not going to set up any lines to hold that fire. It was impossible with those kind of conditions, with the limited resources that we had. Um, we had to do everything we could to save as many lives as possible. In fact, uh, during that first couple hours of that fire, um, We had so few resources and so many additional fires started breaking, I knew we weren't going to get much more because everyone needed help on all the fires burning in the Sonoma Lake, Napa counties, other counties in the North state started to break fires.
0: What did you know about some, as you were dealing with this monster in in Atlas Peak, what did you know about some of these other fires breaking out? Well,
1: I, they were on different frequencies, but I had heard through uh, dispatching and stuff, resources getting sent to different parts of our unit Um, So I knew I wasn't getting my 100 fire engines I requested right away. Mm -hmm. Um, And as a result of that, with the rapid movement of this fire, which, you know, there was... Winds clocked off of Atlas Peak, a gust above 40. Um, just north of us, they had wind gusts in the 60s, and it was predicted that in some of the drainages where it lined up with the wind, there was probably wind gusts that could have occurred into the 90-mile-per-hour range. We're at the part of fire season where it hasn't rained in five months. Fuel moistures are critical, um, and this is the worst time for fire season for sure, and then you add the wind to it. So in my um, in my strategy and planning with the limited resources I had, Um, We weren't stopping this fire. We weren't even going to slow it down. All we could do was try to be safe and get people out of harm's way. So I gave the direction uh, over the radio of my leader's intent to ensure the number one priority was to save as many lives as we could, to knock on doors, to evacuate, um, and get the people out. There was no plan at that point to put the fire out. The fire was probably several thousand acres within the first hour. Um, homes were burning everywhere, and you can't contain a fire like that. You just got to try to keep people safe and, and, and get people out alive, and that was my priority. Um, structure defense was secondary where applicable um, if you had an opportunity to save a life and a home to do it. But number one was to get people out, and we could not put with the limited resources we had, unfortunately. I wish we had hundreds of engines. We couldn't put an engine sitting on a house um, to try to save one home while their neighbors down the road are still sleeping in bed. Mm-hmm.
0: At what point in the process do you begin to think about what to do to fight the fire? Well, you know, that's a continual process.
1: I thought about it all night long, about where we could start holding some things on if applicable, That fire ran so fast. I mean, once it got through the country club area um, and it started to burn up into the Mount George, it burned across Monticello. There weren't as many residences out there um, once it made it there. I, I know the devastation it did getting there. Um, and there were some folks that were able to do some great um, structure defense quickly to save homes where possible. Um, but even into that next day, you know, homes were still burning that morning as we were trying to get people out um you know that next day um we we started uh well that night we had a big box drawn about where we thought we could hold it and we, we couldn't um as it quickly jumped all of our lines i mean we had spot fires that were you know half mile plus in front of the main front of the fire just starting all over um but that that the next day and as we move on um you know we start looking at where this fire is going to be i um That night when I got down to Atlas Peak Road, I called my unit chief, Chief Jones, and told her that we need an incident management team for this fire. This is going to be massive. And so um, we uh, put the request into the state. CAL FIRE has six uh, incident management teams. um, And... uh, it just so happened that the management team that got deployed to the Atlas fire was my management team. Mm. Uh, I'm the deputy incident commander with a uh, Cal fire incident management team three. So I transitioned from the incident commander, uh, into the, uh, incident commander role with the, with our, uh, state team that came in. So then that's when, you know, we start to get, you know, realizing we had limited resources that first day and start looking at where we can hold what we have um, and 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 what we needed to do to continue to save lives. And uh, again, just working so closely with our law enforcement partners. I mean, I can't say enough about um, our local cooperators here in this valley, Napa City Fire, American Canyon, uh, uh, St. Helena, Calistoga. Um, I mean, all the fire departments and law enforcement agencies sent help and they gave more than I know they were comfortable with, but they saw the potential potential of these fires. And uh, I was really fearful that night. My, my, my biggest concern was life. And I, I, I was afraid we were people were going to die in that fire. I honestly thought more people would die in that fire based on the conditions we have. And um, I was very concerned that we were also going to have firefighters or, or law enforcement partners injured or even killed based on the burning conditions we had that night. Mm-hmm.
0: Talk a little bit about the other fires that would start coming online shortly thereafter, including on the yeah on the so, west side. Yeah, me. the
1: west side. So you know we had numerous fires breaking over there in Sonoma County. I mean, obviously the Tubbs is by far the most devastating fire that you know we've ever had. I mean, you know they're they're talking in excess of uh, you know four to five thousand residents ended up being destroyed. Um, and hearing that stuff break and hearing more and more fires throughout the night, um, happening. I knew our faucet was getting turned off on getting many more resources. I had ordered a lot of resources early. I was very grateful to get those resources, but I knew that other people and other communities were in harm's ways, and um, it it takes a while to get those resources on the road from throughout the state, and then it eventually ended throughout the country, and eventually we got help from other other nations.
0: How does that get coordinated, the request for all those resources, the ones that come from outside of our area here in that You
1: know, we have... California is just years ahead of, of, of really some states in, in our in our mutual aid system, and that's done through Cal OES. And um, they're the ones that facilitate outside of CAL FIRE. So CAL FIRE, we can control all of our resources statewide. But when it comes to all the agencies and all the literally hundreds of different departments that assisted and contributed to containing all these wildfires in the North State, that's all managed through CAL OES. And so those requests go into them, and they reach out to local governments and and folks that um, are signed up and prepared to send resources. And that's how that process began um, early on in the incident.
0: At what point day wise, Tuesday, Wednesday, at what point did you feel certainly you didn't have any any real control over it, but that you were beginning to really fight the fire at at what point? Well, you know,
1: Monday we started to fight the fire good because Monday morning when the, when the sun came up and we had a bunch of extra staffing um, equipment and we had what's called early up. We had uh, made sure that at 8 o'clock in the morning, our aircraft usually come online about 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. in the morning, but we had placed a request the day before to have the aircraft up early. Um, so Monday morning at 8 o'clock, we got air tankers in the air. Uh, we got helicopters coming. And so that's when we started being able to sort of flank the sides of the fire to keep it from spreading in different directions. But um, that was a daunting task for sure, because without the ground resources to follow up on it, you can you can slow it down. And I think that contributed, I know it contributed to additional, um, you know, lives being saved by trying to slow some of that progress down. But, you know, when that air attack got up first over, there was multiple fly fires, our air attack um, ship, which is the command and control of air resources, um, which are, are, are out of Sonoma County, got over our fire. I think it was Probably 11, 12 o'clock they got over our fire, and their first estimate at the size of our fire was 25,000 acres.
0: Wow. At what point did you start thinking about all of these fires sort of cooking up with each other, essentially, which is what was starting to happen? Yeah,
1: you know, especially over on the west side. So right. um, our team— Incident Management Team 3 assumed command of, of, of the Atlas fire on Monday morning. And we also took several fires that were burning over in Sonoma County, Nuns, um, uh, Partrick, and there was a couple couple other fires that we were going to oversee, while another team took Tubbs and some other fires in the north end of the county. And we had to re um, allocate some of that stuff because it was starting in one county, then it was burning into Napa County. So the majority of those fires were over in Sonoma County but had burned into Napa County. Um, and so we could see on the map when we started to lay out all the fires specifically in, in Sonoma County that those fires had a good potential because of close proximity and burning conditions of uh, burning together. There was mm-hmm. the Pocket, Adobe, Partrick, Nuns, um all these fires over there, which they eventually pretty much all burned into one, which was the Nuns Fire you know, over mm-hmm. there. So we could see that on, the, on our side, we really had one significant fire, which was the the Atlas Fire. Um, and uh, of course, Tubbs in the in the North End um, remained on its own, and that was the large and devastating fire by
0: itself. Mm-hmm. When Calistoga was threatened and Calistoga was evacuated and a lot of resources were, were moved over in that direction, what impact did that have on the other fires?
1: Well, you know, working with Cal Fire Incident Management Team 1 that oversaw that fire, um, we worked very closely with that team and because they had their hands full and they started taking on the role of, of some of those fires in Sonoma County that we were kind of overseeing, um, we uh, had a plan in place that um if that fire burned into the community of Calistoga because it was burning up Mount St. Helena. And that was a problem too. It was like every two days the winds were switching. We would go to an onshore wind and start to blow out of the south, which meant the heel of the fire where it started now became the head of the fire because now it started blowing it in a different direction. Then the north winds would come back. I mean, for a couple, you know, about 10 days it went back and forth. So we had come up with an agreement that... While we were sending resources as needed from Atlas up into the Dry Creek, Mount, um, uh, Mount Veter area, we also had a plan in place to, to include Calistoga. And essentially, our decision point for Calistoga was if the fire burned into the city of Calistoga and was continuing to advance, our team, Team 3, would take over that part of the fire and manage it from Calistoga as it continued south. Uh, very grateful that did not happen. But we we put those plans in place with decision points on when we would try to manage that. Because with so many fires going on and limited resources, the coordination was the key, as you don't want people out there just doing independent actions and stuff. And so, uh, you know, the totality of what was, was going on was definitely very complex, one of the most complex fires that I've been involved right. with. Right.
0: And talk about the coordination and the complexity involved in that. You talk a lot about decisions that were clearly made, who was going to do what at any given time, and it was determined by what the fires were doing, what the winds were doing, what the resources were that were available. How was the complexity of all of that managed? Well, you
1: know, it's managed, like I said, through two teams, Cal Fire Incident Management Team 1 and Team 3, and then that's all spread down through the incident command system. And it's mainly fighting the fire is done operationally through our operations section. We have operations section chiefs that run the strategy and tactics for continuing to contain fires. And so the two teams would talk about sharing of resources and where the fire is and who's dealing with this part of the fire that may be assigned to another team, but now it burn closer into our area. So that continually, continuously was evaluated to figure out the most effective way to deal with it. And those first couple of days, it was tough. I mean, there were limited resources uh, on our fires. Our first morning you know we had I think a little over 400 engines on I'm sorry personnel on Monday morning and we had only 40 some odd engines on our on our fire due to the numerous fires going through throughout the state you know there were lives lost in other counties up in Mendocino County in Nevada County um, or Yuba County I mean there were it was a, a pretty uh, significant probably the most significant wildfire um, to all occur pretty simultaneously I think in the state in the North state.
0: Talk a little bit about what's going on on the ground in fighting these fires. You know, we all have a sense of what was happening in the air because we all saw a lot of it. What's actually happening down on the ground?
1: Well, you know, the firefighters and law enforcement folks that were out there, um, you know, did an amazing job. Uh, they were engaged from, from from day one, from minute one. Um, there was opportunities when, when people were evacuated to go in and start saving as many properties as possible. Um, and that it went on for a couple of days. We were stretched thin uh, in the state due to these large fires. And so resources that we would typically be able to pull right off the line the next morning and get them some relief, we weren't able to do that as fast as we would have liked to have and so um, those folks continue to stay out there trying to get people to disengage and say we've got you some rest now let's get you some rest even though they had been out there for two days or even more was not easy because people firefighters, public safety that's our job is to help people out and um people want to continue to give all they can give. And, uh, you know, we're uh, very appreciative for the efforts that were put forth by everyone. And no one wanted to pull out of the fight because they knew there was lives to save and there was homes to save and and property. And uh, it it was definitely um, something that I think will affect people for a very long time.
0: How accurate was the weather information that you were getting? These winds, as you say, kept shifting, and even the public would hear, you know, it was going to go one way one night, or the winds were going to yeah. pick up one night, and they didn't, thank goodness. How accurate was the information you were had access well, to? Well,
1: I know that that first night, they were very accurate. We were told that that was probably going to be the most significant north wind event of the, of the year that night, and they were right most significant North wind event that I have ever seen in the middle of summertime in Napa County. Um, and so they were spot on on that. Um, Luckily, uh, they were they were um, very accurate when it came to the wind was going to start coming out of the south and gusty winds because that's what happens when we start to get that fog belt and that push coming in through the gate. We start to get that south winds and and those were on. There were one or two times where they predicted north winds events to be significant again during the fire, and we caught a little bit of a break on our fire. Sonoma County didn't; those winds hit very hard again in right. Sonoma County and continued to burn into communities. Mm-hmm
0: and a lot of it is just luck it seems like with these winds.
1: Yeah, you know, you you hope the weather's wrong when it's really bad um and um there's no doubt that we definitely caught a couple breaks here in Napa um that um you know, I wish I wish the weather would have been a little more cooperative uh especially in Sonoma County i remember the night that um a couple nights into the fire that the wind pushed really hard back into into some areas uh in the southern end of Sonoma County and we didn't quite see that wind here uh that they did and um it definitely you know more more structures were destroyed um and uh The challenges, uh, they continued. I mean, this fire went back and forth and back and forth. And, you know, we went from having about 400 people, and that includes our hand crews and all that, that first morning of the fire to uh, the Atlas fire, ended up with 3,300 people on it, which is a more appropriately staffed fire based on the size. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. What's the difference in, in fighting these fires at night versus day? Because there does seem to be, at least in the way it all gets reported, a significant difference.
1: You know, the biggest difference between the fire in the night and the day is that we don't have our aircraft. Um, you know, there was—Cal um, um, Fire currently does not have night-flying aircraft. We will with our new contract for our new airships, that helicopters that are being built. Um You know, CHP um, did some amazing rescues that night up on Atlas Peak. I think they pulled 40-plus people off the top of the mountain. Um, All night long, I was being contacted by our uh, emergency dispatch center to say, priority traffic, we have people trapped, we have people trapped. People were going into swimming pools. People were getting into their water tanks. Um, We were trying to get engines in where we could, but we had power lines down everywhere. We had trees across the road, and CHP was, you know, able to fly uh, in conditions that were definitely less than... um, ideal for them. I mean, that wind was howling up there, Um, but they made some amazing rescues of people. But the biggest thing in the nighttime is we don't have our aircraft available to fly our air tankers, you know, et cetera. And then of course, in the nighttime, everything's dark. People can get disoriented, especially people that don't know the area. Um, You can get into a bad situation. I mean, our law enforcement partners that, that went out there and did evacuations that night, they're not firefighters. You know, that's like asking firefighters to go in and, um, back them up in a bank robbery. That's just not what we do. And they're up in these canyons and, and fire, um, in fire some, in some pretty bad situations, um, you know, risking themselves to save people. And uh, I, I can't say enough how much that was appreciated, the coordination that went on uh, with, with our law enforcement partners to get people out safely. And um, I'm, I'm thankful that no one was seriously hurt or injured uh, in public safety because it was a lot of people that we needed to get notified and get them out.
0: What, if anything, from a fire point of view, did we learn from this, or is it too early to tell? Well, um, you know, what did we learn from it? We always learn
1: things. We will always go back and, and look at incidents to see about, could we do things differently next time? You know, um, I, I think that, um, you know, some of the things that, you know, I've heard is is— Napa Firewise, and we have uh, currently, I believe it's nine fire safe councils that work to keep their communities fire safe. And it includes Dry Creek, La Coya, Atlas Peak, Soda Canyon, um, Capel, Gordon Valley, Deer Park, all these communities, they do a lot to keep their community safe, keeping, keeping roadways, as I mentioned on Atlas Peak, right. cleared um, to keep um, defensible space around your homes, you know, at least 100 feet or more. Um, and and, and sometimes that didn't work. But these conditions were not like anything we've seen before. And what I'm telling people is we still need to ensure fire safety as we rebuild. We'll look at construction types and what we need to do in the future um, to change maybe any 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 construction types. I know that in the Cedar Fire in 2003, a lot of things were learned about why homes burned and what we can do differently. And we'll look at everything from water supply to um Clearance to construction materials. Um, I don't know what will change, but I will tell you that um, fire safety, fire prevention is huge, um, and it works except for in these kind of conditions. You can only do so much with these conditions. But the 99% of the time on a normal day when a fire breaks – We keep fires small. We're able to pick them up without destroying neighborhoods and things like that. And that's what I want to reiterate to people is that we, we can't just give up on fire safety. We need to make it more of a priority. We need to look at what we need to do to, you know, make this from not happening again for sure. Right.
0: I mean, this was a pretty unique set of circumstances that came together.
1: Yeah, I would definitely use the word unprecedented. In the Napa Valley, what we experienced that night was unprecedented. Um, You know, I know the Hanley Fire of 1964 experienced some of the same fires that burned from Mount Santa Elena down towards Santa Rosa. Um, But, you know, for for us here in the center of the valley, it was unprecedented. This is not a common occurrence for us. We don't get these kind of conditions. Um, But it's just something that, uh, you know, unfortunately, when the conditions all lined up right, it was the perfect storm.
0: Talk a little bit about keeping the public informed, because in addition to all the other things you were dealing with that, that you've talked about, you were out there at the briefings at 9 o'clock most mornings.
1: Yeah, yeah. So our emergency operations center for the county, they did an amazing job uh, getting people in there, staffing that up for county emergency services and OES, and um, that coordination was vital, um, especially as we continued to look at evacuating areas, giving warnings out through Nixels, planning the coordinated efforts that were going to be needed to support everything from shelters um, to the overall operations of the county with the, this kind of a disaster going on. Um, But definitely, you know, people want information. And um, in today's day and age with social media and stuff, it goes out there quick. And trying to get the factual intelligence, as we call it, vetting that information and making it intelligence is challenging. Um, A lot of people run on rumors and all that kind of stuff. And so we tried to quell that and, and give people just the facts that we knew it out there.
0: What about communications for your guys and and for all of your operations? Everybody else was dealing with the fact that there was cell service was out, internet obviously was out. Did that have any impact
1: on? Absolutely. You? So yeah, communications. We struggle with that. You know, we know we how we rely on how we rely on. Mm-hmm. Um, communications regarding internet and and phone connectivity when we lost that boy that was a struggle i mean information that we're used to sharing immediately giving directions um we weren't able to do that we weren't able to close the loop working between the incident and working through our eoc our emergency operations center here in the county that could happen it was constant driving over to pass something on it hampered us and uh, really appreciative of the um you know the the um our political partners out there um senators congressmen assemblywomen Mm -hmm. that that reached out to verizon and those other companies to say we need our services reconnected immediately and and i know that uh, our local uh, us providers of at&t verizon they brought out some mobile repeaters to get us up and going a couple days later Uh, up until that point, very frustrating. I mean, people are trying to get a hold of people for hours and nothing was going through. And it definitely created a a significant challenge with um, getting timely um, information or instructions out there.
0: And what is the process going forward in terms of trying to understand how this started and learn something from that? Well,
1: the cause of the fire for the Atlas fire is still under investigation. Right. It's undetermined right now, so we will come up with a cause, um, and then once that happens, we can look at um, on what we um, what we can do out there to maybe prevent prevent these um, kinds of fires in the future. But until we know what the cause is, we really can't you know address that. I mean, when you have a fire starting and within minutes, you know, it's it's a couple hundred acres. Those are pretty, those are very extreme burning conditions. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we talk about how we um, fight fire and, and, and how we're going to hold fire between here and there on a normal burning day on some extreme burning conditions. This was, you know, off the charts. I mean, this was something that was so rapidly advancing Um, all you could do is get people out of harm's way that first 24 hours and, 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 and like I said, save as many lives as possible. And there were opportunities for people to save and defend some structures when they had made sure the lives were all out and people were safe. And um, there were some some folks that risked a lot to save lives that night, I'll tell you that.
0: And finally, talk a little bit about how long it takes for you and your team to recover from some of this? I don't mean just get some sleep. I mean to recover from the adrenaline, from the whole process.
1: You know, um, it affects people differently. We definitely have uh, employees out there uh, in the fire service, not just my fire service or our fire service of Cal Fire, but um, that that will be affected forever. I mean, we're really... um, ramping up our employee support services and getting a hold of people there were people that thought they were going to die that night on their fire engines and then their police cars and, and 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 stuff like that and so um, all of the agencies are, are working with their personnel to ensure the health and well-being of their folks you know we don't want people to to go home and there, there are people that saw things they never want to see again in their lives um, and there was people that had close calls that thought they were saying goodbye to their families, and so we're we're working with those employees, um, and and we're doing all we can to identify the ones that need help because, um, you know, that PTSD and stuff that's out there affects everyone, including firefighters and law enforcement and paramedics and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, being able to just turn it off and say it's gone is is um, not not something you can do. And especially for those of us that are still here in the aftermath. I mean, anytime you have the people that are still in the area that's affected uh, in our county that don't go home to an area, you know, when you leave the area, you can start healing a lot faster. When you drive through it every day, and you still see it out there, it opens up a lot of wounds for people. And so, um, you know, we, we're, we're doing all we can to try to make sure we're taking care of those employees. And if counseling is necessary, doing that, we do diffusing and debriefings with folks just to talk about it. And it seems just, just being able to talk Talk about those experiences. Um, starting to get some people home and getting some rest now. I'm very grateful that we're getting rain this weekend. I hope it comes down in buckets. Um, you know, I want to I want to see the dirt stay up on the side of the hill still, but I want to see the fire threat go away so some people can can catch their breath and and go home and and really reflect on what they went through. But you know, I think people need to be proud of the job they did that night. Um, a lot of lives were saved um, due to their efforts Um, unfortunately a lot of property was destroyed um, but people gave their all I mean there was no one out there that was um, not engaged and people giving their all uh, risked a lot and they need to know that um, they can't second guess everything they did based on the conditions and the information they had they put their best foot forward and uh, I saw some remarkable things going on that night
0: Napa County Fire Chief Barry Beerman, I thank you so much for coming in and sharing the story with us. You bet. Thank you. Thanks for listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Napa Valley Radio for the way we live now.